Welcome to the Kingdom at Hand. I'm Pastor Joe Faldet. Today's sermon is going to be from Judges 7, verses 9 through 25. It's entitled, Following God. And we're going to be looking at how God goes before us and sets these things up for us so that we can come behind and knock the dominoes over. Our sermon today is going to be taken from Judges 7, verses 9 through 25. And I read in Jesus' name. That same night, the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Purah, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Purah, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance, and their camels were without number as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. When Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade. And he said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. And behold, a cake of barley tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. And his comrade answered, This is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. And he divided the three hundred into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, Then blow the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and shout, For the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, when they had just set the watch. And they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hands the torches and in their right hands the trumpets to blow. And they cried out, A sword of the Lord! A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the three hundred trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. And the army fled as far as Bethshittah, towards Zerah, as far as the border of Abel Molah, by Tabath. And the men of Israel were called out from Naphtali and from Asher and from all of Manasseh, And they pursued after Midian. Gideon sent messengers throughout all the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and capture the water against them, as far as Beth-bara, and also the Jordan. So all the men of Ephraim were called out, and they captured the waters as far as Beth-bara, and also the Jordan. And they captured two princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb, and Zeb they killed at the winepress of Zeb. Then they pursued Midian. And they brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon across the Jordan. Let us pray. Father, as we read this account, we ask that you would bless us, that you would guide us. Lord, as we come and we worship you through meditating on your word, that you would be glorified and that you would guide our hearts and our minds as we meditate on you. Father, we thank you for your word, power therein. In Jesus' name, amen. So today's sermon is entitled, Following God. And the thing that I found really interesting in this whole story, this testimony 
of what God did through Gideon was that all Gideon did was follow the lead of God. God set up all of these dominoes. He had he had all of these pieces in order. He had all of these pieces lined up. And all Gideon had to do was come behind God and start hitting them over. And as he did that, as Gideon walked in faithfulness, we see that that's the means that God used to deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. And so as we start, let's look at some of these dominoes. What's God doing? How did God set up these dominoes? The first thing is, he gave Gideon a command. And so, oh, that's the wrong page. The same night, the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. And so God gave Gideon a command. And that command was that Gideon was supposed to go down to the camp of the Midianites. Just he and his servant. And, and he was to attack. Now this is crazy. Because remember, he's only got 300 men. And God calls him to attack. Attack the camp of Midian. Well, this is, this command actually is embedded then in a greater promise. And that greater promise we saw during the days of the fleece. When Gideon laid out this fleece, he said, If you are going to save Israel by my hand. And so that fleece then was the greater promise in which this command existed. And so as Gideon then humbles himself before God, as Gideon trusts God and walks in God's way, walks in the manner that God would have him walk. Now this was an act of faith. Gideon's obedience is an act of faith. It's not Gideon's obedience, it's not Gideon's action in and of itself, but rather the fact that he trusted God. That's actually at the heart of what Gideon's doing. Gideon trusted God as God has shown himself powerful in Gideon's life, as God revealed himself to Gideon, as God blessed Gideon, as God protected Gideon. That faith then grows forth and produces Gideon's obedience. So as Gideon obeys God, surrenders himself to God, trusts God, and walks in the manner that God has him walk, God continues to show miracles in Gideon's life. God continues to work. God continues to show himself strong. And the next thing that God does as God shows himself strong in Gideon's life, not just does he give him a command, but he also gives him another promise. He actually encourages him this time. Go down. If you're afraid or if you're worried, but if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Purah, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. And so God tells him, don't do this on your own. If you're going to go down, make sure you bring your servant with you. And I think that's important. And, you know, here Gideon takes poor his servant, but, you know, not, not a servant as in some, like, some lackey, but rather a servant as in he's a trusted man. He is the shield bearer of Gideon, essentially. And so that was a trusted position. It was a pretty important position. And so Gideon was supposed to take him down. And as, as Gideon takes down Pura, there's something else here that I, I want you to think about is that when God calls us to do ministry, when God calls us to testify, when God calls us to walk in obedience, God doesn't call us to do that in isolation. He doesn't say go alone and do this, but rather to take with him who will come, to take poor his servant, to take someone that's trusted, someone that's reliable, Take these people with you. 
Because even Jesus, when he sent out his disciples, he didn't send them out alone, but rather he sent them out in groups, sent them out in pairs of two. So that while the testimony, that any testimony might be established by two or three witnesses, and so as Gideon then comes back, he's got, a, he's got someone else that witnessed the same thing. And as well, then it's an encouragement to hear that again from someone else. And so Gideon is called by God to go and attack. And within that attack, uh, and as he, well, goes to attack, but not just to attack, but then to learn more. And as Gideon learns more, he's called to learn more with someone else. We don't walk the Christian walk alone. This is why we have churches, actually. That's one of the purposes of churches, is so that we're not walking the Christian walk alone. And, and so then the next thing that I want you to observe is this dream. You know, this dream is, is really interesting. Verse 13, When Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade. And he said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. And behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and it turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. Now I think there's a couple of important things here that we see God doing. You know what we see God doing? And I, I glossed over some of them. I'm working really hard to try to keep this uh, concise because there's so much stuff in here. Maybe I should have just made this into four sermons. So God promises that you will hear what they say and afterwards your hand will be strengthened. Well, okay, so that's important. Uh, then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now there's about 120,000 men, armed men here. So this is a large camp. They're probably going to have a couple of outposts. Gideon happens to come to the right outpost. Did you notice that? Gideon comes to the outpost of the man who has the dream. So that's not just some coincidence. But this is actually God working in advance, God preparing the way for Gideon. And you know, we're told that God does that in Ephesians 2.10. For you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, uh, which God has prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Sorry, I had a couple of translations um, competing in my mind. But that's what we see here with Gideon. What we see is we see God working in advance, God setting it up. And then when Gideon walks in obedience, trusting that God's going to do what he says, Gideon finds himself at the right outpost, right at the right moment, when this man is telling his friend, this man is telling his friend, I had this dream. And not only that, but God's working in the hidden world of this man's heart, that this dream comes up. This dream comes up in a Midianite. God is working in the mind and the heart of a Midianite. God is working in the mind and the heart of an enemy of God. Someone who is trying to destroy the Israelites. Someone who is working against the testimony of the Lord. God is at work. God is bringing up fear in this man's heart. God is bringing up worry in this man's mind. God is at work in this man. And that's something else that we need to see. As we're working in this world, as we're living our lives in this world, as we're following Christ in this world, God is at work in the hearts and minds of the people that are around us. This is one of the promises that God has for us. 
that he is actually going forward. He might not be giving them dreams, but he is currently at work. And I think about this COVID crisis, and I see this as being a time and a place when God is at work in this world. This is a time and a place where God is moving in people's hearts and minds, and they're looking at the the temporary nature of their lives. They're looking at the fact that they're not as strong as they think they are, that our government's not as trustworthy as we'd hoped, that You know, we can't just rely on someone else to always take care of us. People are realizing that. I hope they're realizing that. I hope you're realizing that. And I hope you realize then that God is the one that we can look to. God is the one that we can trust. God is the one that we can hope in. Not statistics, not finances, not governments, not bureaucracies, not the World Health Organization. We can't trust all of these institutions and all of these things. What we can trust though is God. And we can trust God to go before us. And we can trust God to go before us in the lives of the non-Christians that exist around us and in the lives of the Christians that exist around us. We can trust God to go forth preparing the way for his kingdom in the lives of all the people around us. Because doesn't Jesus say, seek first the kingdom of God? So that's just not, that's not just for me, but that's also then for the lives of the people around me that I would seek the kingdom of God for them. And so God gives a dream. God sends Gideon. As Gideon walks in obedience to God, God gives the command and Gideon walks in obedience to that. Trusting that God knows best, God brings Gideon to the right place at the right time to the person that God has prepared in advance. But not only did God prepare that person, God prepared the next person. God prepared this guy's friend. And he brings forth the proper interpretation. He understands really what this dream means. And that's an amazing thing. Because as, you, I, list, as I read this dream, I'm like, well, how do they know that this is Gideon? You know, they've got 120,000 men. They've been oppressing Israel for years and years. And they've never been defeated. So why would they be so worried now? We see God at work in the hidden realms of their lives, of their hearts, their minds. We see God working here. And this should give us courage that as we learn more about God, as we walk with God, as God controls more and more of our minds. Now here at Hosanna, we've been talking about um, encouraging people to interact with spiritual disciplines, to commit themselves to spiritual disciplines, to, to reading their Bible. You know, that a spiritual discipline? Yeah, that actually is. To read their Bible in a year, to try it, to commit yourself to that, to be giving sacrificially for the sake of the kingdom of God, to be praying for the nations, to be uh, striving to exist in a cross-cultural, and, you know, and to do ministry in some place that's not inside of your culture, something that will stretch your comfort zones. And then as well, to commit yourself to a body of believers. You know, we've been encouraging the people of Hosanna to engage in these things. And as you engage in these things, as you engage in these spiritual disciplines, as you fill yourself with the word of God, as you pray for the nations, as you give where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. That's why we're called to give. As we commit ourselves then to the Christian body and as we strive to do ministry in places that we're not normally, we start thinking more and more and more about God. And we start thinking more and more and more about what God wants in this world and what God wants of us. And so as our minds are are dedicated to God, God starts to 
open up doors and show us where he's working. Because that's the other thing that he's doing to Gideon. God is showing Gideon not only that he's working, but where he's working. The opportunities start to arise in Gideon's life. Opportunities to be the hands and the feet of God. Opportunities to bring the judgment of God into this world, but opportunities then also to bring the grace of God into this world for the people of God. And we see that simply in this fact that God has revealed to Gideon that this man has the proper interpretation. And that interpretation wasn't just for the friend who had the dream, but God gave it to him for the sake of Gideon. And so as you're interacting with this world, as you're seeking to bring the kingdom of God into this world, you can trust that God will show you where he's working. It's like, well, I don't know where God's working. And ask that God would open up doors for you. Because God's got work for all of us. That's why he's still got us here. Secondly, Gideon's response. So what does Gideon do after he sees that God is working ahead of him, that God is revealing to him the open doors, that God is revealing to him what he wants? What does Gideon do? It's great. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped. He worshipped God. Why is that important? Of course he's going to worship God. No, not of course. Because people often don't. When successes happen, who do we give credit to? When good things are going on, who do we give praise to? Do we take it for ourselves or do we give it to God? Now that's an important question. Gideon praises God. Gideon worships the Lord. Gideon expresses his thankfulness to the Lord because Gideon sees that these things happened because of the work of God. Not because somewhere along the line Gideon figured it out. Not because Gideon has successfully, you know, brought in espionage and, you know, brought in information to the Midianite camp in order to get them all worried and scared. Gideon's not giving himself credit for this. Gideon's giving God praise for this. And as successes happen in our lives, as, as we move forward in the kingdom of God, as we move forward in any manner, in any place, who are you praising? Who are we giving worship to? Who are we taking time to be thankful towards? Is it ourselves? Is it our own ingenuity? Is it our own wisdom? Is it the good luck that's fallen into our laps? Or is it God? Thank you, God, that you have provided. Thank you, God, that you have opened doors. Thank you, God, that you have given me what I needed when I needed it so that the people, your people, the people of God, can see you all the more. Thank you, God. These things are because of you and these things are then for you. That's what we're called to do. That's what Gideon does. And that's a lesson to us. That as God sets up those dominoes in front of us, and we walk by and knock them over. That's not us. That's God. Praise God. And the second thing that Gideon does, Gideon's response, the second response that he has, is he bears witness. That's all he's doing. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, 
For the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. That's all he did. All he's doing is giving witness. He is witnessing to what God has shown him. And you know, I, I read that, and I've been thinking about that, and I think about what Jesus tells the apostles in the book of Acts, and you will be my witnesses. This is what we're called to be. We're called, first and foremost, to experience God. To be walking, and when I say experience God, what do I mean? I mean that we are to be spending time in the Word of God. We are to be spending time in prayer. We are to be applying these truths into our lives. And as we apply these truths into our lives, we will see the wisdom of God. We will understand the love of God in new and greater ways. As we repent, as we seek forgiveness, as we confess our sins, the one who is forgiven much loves much. And so if you find in your life a lack of a love of God, that tells me that you don't really know your sin. You don't know how much you've been forgiven. Otherwise, you would love God way more. And so take time in the Word of God. Take time to live in obedience to God. Because as you live in obedience to God, you will see how, de- how deep your sin really is. You will start to see how holy God is and how sinful you are. And how big that gap is that God freely forgives us in Christ. And so then we as Christians are just called to give testimony as to what God has done in our lives. Do you know what God has forgiven me for? How many times I've had to confess my sins? How many times I've messed up, failed as a father and as a husband and as a son, failed as a pastor? How many times I've done that? You have no idea. How many times I've I've failed as a Christian to not trust God with my finances? to not trust God with my future, to not trust God with the church. These things God has forgiven me for, and he said, go and sin no more. Try it again. Get up and try it again. The righteous man falls seven times, but gets back up again. And so that's our calling as Christians, and that's what we give testimony to. This is what God has done in our lives. This is what God wants to do in yours. Here's what God has given to you. I've experienced it already, but God has given it to you too. And that's something that's important with our testifying. As we're testifying, we shouldn't just be testifying as to what's gone on in our lives, but what God has already given to the people in front of us. God offers you forgiveness. God offers you love. God offers you purpose. God offers you a calling in this world, something in this world that's way bigger than you. God offers you cleansing. God offers you purity. God offers you hope. This is what God has given to me. This is what God wants to give to you. This is the promise of God in our lives. That's what Gideon's doing. Because Gideon's not saying, hey, just see what God has done for me. He's saying, arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. This is for you. This is for you. Finally, he organized the people of God. He divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars with torches inside the jars. He said to him, look at me and do likewise. Hmm. Note that. Look at me and do likewise. Proper leader doesn't organize from the back. They organize from the front. And see, that's one of the things that, this is one of the reasons, just one of the reasons 
why we're called to be a church, why we're called to be a congregation. It's one of the things that's lacking through these online mediums is that we're called to follow people. God calls us to this. And you know, as I, the longer I've been pastor, the more that I've seen that, that God doesn't just raise up one leader, but He raises up a leader for this situation. He raises up a leader for that situation. You know, this is why we have evangelists. This is why we have pastors and teachers. This is why we have uh, prophets and apostles. This is why we have deacons, and this is why we have trustees. These people are called to to rise up and to lead in all of their given situations. And then we're called to follow behind, but a leader leads from the front. Do as I have done. And so Gideon steps forward and he does it first. Gideon steps forward and does it first and says, follow me. This is one of the reasons why I'm so excited that our deacon board has everybody in our deacon board and Edgar Sanchez, our evangelist, and myself, we've all dedicated ourselves, we have vowed that we will read our Bible in the year. In a year, we will do that. That we will be giving sacrificially. That we'll be given for the sake of the kingdom of God. That we're going to commit ourselves to the body of Christ. To a multiplying body. That we're going to commit ourselves to evangelization outside, to ministry outside of our normal context. We're going to seek accountability for these things. Encouragement towards that end. You know, and I see, I, I rejoice in what God is doing because God has laid it on the hearts of the deacon board that, that we would follow Him more, that we would do more, that we would commit ourselves to Him in a greater way. And that's exciting to see. To see God stirring up these ashes and blowing on these coals and creating this fire. That God, is, that God is growing this fire. That's what's so exciting about this. So Gideon leads from the front. Gideon does it first. And so, I don't know if you're a member of Hosanna. It doesn't matter. But I encourage you to join with us. Join with us in reading your Bible. In giving in committing yourself to a multiplying body, a body of Christ, people who are desiring to know God more and to walk with Him in a deeper manner. Commit yourself to that body. To minister in a context that makes you uncomfortable. Because that's how we expand our comfort zone. This is what God is calling us to. If you have more questions, send us an email. Put a comment down in the comments on this video. Getting organizes it moves forward from the front. Thirdly, the dominoes fall. This is so fun to see. To see all of these things that God has organized in advance start to fall. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch when they had just set the watch. And they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew their trumpets and broke the jars they held in their left hands and torches in their right hands the trumpets to blow, and they cried out a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. So the push, all they did was they told everyone, hey, here we are. They just walked in obedience. They walked in obedience to Gideon. God gave Gideon the plan. Gideon gave the people the plan. 
people said, we'll do that. These 300 who were fearless and faithful, not reckless, not foolish. These 300 who trusted God, did as God called them to, and God worked. And God used 300 to move throughout this camp, 120,000 men. God used 300 to terrify them. God started with that small group to change the large group. But the power wasn't in the men. The power was in God. Because that's what they did. Every man stood in his place around the camp. And the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set. The Lord set. Every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. The Lord set. Note that. This isn't the work of man. This is the work of God. If there's any increase, it's the work of God. If anything actually happens, it's the work of God. And so then we give God praise for that. Paul says that, in, I think it's 1 Corinthians, 1 or 2 Corinthians, one of his letters to the Corinthians. Paul says that. Paul says, Paul planted and Apollos watered, but the Lord gave the increase. And so if God works, even in my heart, that's the glory of God. That's why we worship God and we praise God because it's God who gives the increase. It's God who is the one that works. It's God who moves. It's God who empowers all of these things. Because if the power of God is not in this, if the Spirit of God is not in what we're doing, if nothing's going to happen. It is going to fail. It might succeed on an earthly level, but it's going to fail to really change lives. And that's what we're looking to do. I'm looking to have my life changed. And I'm looking to have the lives of everybody that we touch change. Not just the people of Hosanna, but everywhere. That's the goal. That's the hope that God will work even in our lives. And as God works in our lives, that He might then from there work in the lives of all the people around us. God would change me first. Because you know what? I can tell you this. I can tell you this right now. I could be more faithful to God. I could take God more seriously. I could trust God more than I do right now. I could walk in greater obedience than I do right now. I could walk in greater faith than I do right now. I could praise God more than I do right now. And I could testify to God more than I do right now. There is no place in my spiritual walk that I'm like, you know what? I've reached an ultimate. I've reached a pinnacle. There's no going up from here. Every aspect of my walk with Christ can be better, can be deeper, can be richer. My prayer life can be stronger. My knowledge of God can be better, can be deeper, can be broader. Every aspect of my walk with God can be more can be more. And so I ask God, change me. Change me first. Because it's God who gives the power. And then the people of Israel pursue. The army fled as far as Beshita, toward Zerah, as far as the border of Abel Molah, to Tabath. And the men of Israel were called out from Naphtali and from Asher and from all of Manasseh and they pursued after Midian. What happens to cowards when, the peop- when God starts to work? What happens to cowards when the people of God, those who trust God, 
start to pursue God with all that they have. What happens to the cowards? Those who are sitting on the fence, they join in the battle. And indeed, we live in a battle. Our world is a world of battle. We battle an unseen enemy. How many of you have heard President Trump say that? We have an unseen enemy, and he's right. But he, I don't think he's talking about the right enemy. He might be talking about a virus. But our unseen enemy is the spiritual forces of darkness that exist within our world. They are our enemy. It's not Democrats or Republicans. It's not President Trump or Nancy Pelosi. These aren't our enemies. It's not economic downturn. It's not potential depression. It's Satan. He is our enemy. How do we pursue Satan? How do we chase after the evil one? How do we destroy his kingdom? It's by continuing to walk in faithfulness and calling other Christians to join us in our march towards God. As God goes before us, as God makes our enemies flee, it's not us, it's God. It's God. So when we trust God, we look to God, we hope in God, we rely on God, and we praise God for every step, every forward advance, because without the power of God, it's worthless. We're just spinning our wheels. Just spinning our wheels. So then we humble ourselves before God. Say, God, guide us. Show us where you're working and show us where you would have us go. And this is how God is working and leading here at Hosanna through these spiritual disciplines. Again, if you have any questions, I encourage you, put a comment down there. Send me an email. Some of you have gotten letters in the mail. If you're a member of Hosanna or a friend of Hosanna, you've gotten a letter in the mail probably. Not from me, <laughs> but from our deacon board. Asking you to consider, to consider what God would have you do. How would God have you commit yourself to Him in a greater way? Don't let this time of upheaval and turmoil go to waste. But rather, use it as a time to dig deeper into that which doesn't move to God. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for Gideon. We thank you for, for this testimony of you lining up all of these dominoes and just letting Gideon knock them down. Lord, that you are the one that empowered this, that you are the one that worked. We praise your name. Lord, we thank you for Gideon's testimony. We thank you for Gideon's wisdom. Lord, we thank you for recording these things for us. Bless us as we continue to meditate upon these truths. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.